Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Good morning, Central New York. It is game day. It is time to talk some Syracuse football right here on the Score 1260. It's Fizz Radio. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz. We're upbeat. We're chipper this Saturday morning, bringing you up to the 10 o'clock hour right here on the Score 1260. Surprisingly, we're a little bit chipper considering what has happened the last two weeks of Syracuse. Of course, last week, the 41-6 blowout loss against number one Clemson in the Dome. And even more than it being a 41-6 loss, which is already not exactly what you want to see, you definitely wanted to see a little bit more of a bounce-back performance uh, after the Maryland game. But you also did it in front of the largest crowd in the Carrier Dome since 1998. And that's what Dino, something that Dino really hit on in his press conference after the game. said, listen, I'm disappointed about the on-the-field loss, too. Like, that's a disappointing thing. But what I think I might be more disappointed in is that we couldn't get the job done for the fans that were in the Dome. Yeah, it is a disappointing loss, J.D., as you mentioned. But, look, this is Clemson. This is the number one team in the country right here. So you're going to have some problems. You're going to have a lot of problems against Clemson and Trevor Lawrence. This offensive line is a real issue for Syracuse, especially when you're going up against one of the premier defensive lines every single year. Which is ridiculous. I mean, they had, what, four draft picks? And they just reload. They had Xavier Thomas come in. He's just going to be a stud. I think he was the number four prospect in the 2018 recruiting class. So they just reload every single year. It's, it's what they do. It's what the premier programs do. They did it again. And Syracuse has a big problem with this offensive line. It's one of those instances of we reload, we do not rebuild. There's exactly. no such thing. And I'm not saying it was even coming close to a re- rebuilding year for Clemson because, Which you one? know, they've got Trevor Lawrence and they've got Justin Ross and they've got Travis Etienne. They've got Higgins. T. Higgins oh. who absolutely – just torched the Syracuse secondary in that game. But kind of looking at what went wrong, I think we'll get to the defense in a little bit uh, after the break. But offensively, I think you got to look at this as a game where, I mean, you score six points against a team you beat two years ago, a team that you played to the wire in Death Valley a season ago, and you only put up six points. You get two Andre Schmidt field goals. I mean, this offense has not looked good, not once the whole year. Week one, Tommy DeVito looked awful. He really did not look any bit of good against Liberty. Week two, much better against Maryland. He threw the pick on the sideline. Was it a force? Was it not? Dino says no. Others say yes. Did Nikeem Johnson turn around? It's probably a combination of both. Then you look at this week. Again, did not play well. Again, forced another interception. Although now Dino's defending him again, saying that there was a defender that was on the ground because he slipped, got back up, picked off the pass. Okay, we'll give Tommy another pass. But again, he still didn't play incredibly well. He played, actually, I thought, decently well. But he wasn't the superstar caliber guy that you need to lead you to the quote-unquote promised land and to lead you past the number one team in the country. A lot of that, though, I think, rests on the offensive line. They were just terrible. Yeah, they one were. One of the worst performances I've seen by one positional group in the last four years of the Dino Babers. It's easy to say, look, the quarterback played bad, the running backs played bad, but you have to kind of delve into, well, okay, why are they not succeeding? And it's all on the offensive line. 
Tommy DeVito was sacked eight times against Clemson. Six in the first half. Exactly. And that doesn't count for all the times he was running for his life. We saw early on, even from week one, this guy takes the snap and rolls out of the pocket because he's just he knows the pressure's going to get to him. Now, there are a couple of instances, and I think one of our writers, Gil Gross, broke this down on our site, Orange Fizz. He said, you know, some of these aren't the offensive line's fault. A couple of times, DeVito rolled out of the pocket when he doesn't need to, and that led to a sack. But you got to ask, okay, well, first of all, DeVito's pocket presence has to improve. But why is he rolling out every single time? And it's because he thinks he's going to get hit if he stays in the pocket. So I mean, there's a out. defender in his pocket every single time there's a snap against Clemson. And Brent Venables is the best. Uh, I don't care who wins the Broyles Award every year for top assistant in the country. Brent Venables, for my money, and for Clemson's money, they're paying him like pretty much a head coach at any other program. But the defensive coordinator for Clemson, he is an absolute stud in terms of coaching. And honestly, could he coach at the at the next level in terms of being a head coach? Yeah, sure, but he, he doesn't need to because he's getting paid all the money, he's winning all the rings, and he's still getting all the credit because Dabo shares the credit well. And he doesn't want to leave. He's got he's got his roots there. He's got his family in the high school there. He is very happy in Clemson, so don't expect him to gr- gr- break up roots anytime soon. Yeah, I, there's no reason to. I mean, if you're just going to consistently put together one of the best defensive lines in college football. I mean, let's think about how good that Clemson team is in terms of of their defensive line. Last year, they had three guys in the NFL draft drafted in the top 17 picks. Top 17, three defensive linemen from Clemson. I mean, three defensive linemen from anywhere, regardless of school affiliation, is impressive. Three defensive linemen from the same school is ridiculous. They got another one drafted later, uh, later in the fourth round as well. But, I mean, that's just another instance of Listen, this is Clemson. We're an elite football program. And if Syracuse wants to compete against those elite football programs, like they showed they had the ability to two years ago when they beat Clemson in the Dome, like they showed last year when they had the 10 wins um, and played very well against Clemson, you have to be better as an offensive line. I know there have been a lot of shifts. You lose some of your best offensive linemen from last year. I think people didn't talk enough about what Cody Conway and Coda Martin did for this Syracuse offense last year in terms of being the two tackles, giving Eric Dungy time. And also, they didn't have to worry about as much as of giving Eric Dungy time because he can escape the pocket. But all of a sudden now, you've got Carlos Federello starting and you've got Ryan Alexander starting, a redshirt freshman and a transfer, a grad transfer that has experience but not in the Dino Babers offense. Not the, and not you've got Aaron five. Service moving back to center. He played center last year, moved to tackle, now back to center. There's just so many moving parts. Sam Heckle not playing is certainly not helping, but something has got to change. Not only did Tommy DeVito have no time, not only does it now make him think, okay, even if there's no pressure coming in my brain, I'm thinking, I got to get out of the pocket quick because people are coming for me. People want to get after the quarterback and want to get after me. So that makes him think, okay, even if I don't have to scramble, I have to scramble. That hurts his mentality. And then you look at the running backs. They've got no space, nothing. And I think that's also um, a little bit on the side of play calling in terms of you're not getting your weapons in open space. Abdul Adams and Mo Neal can both be dangerous pass catchers out of the backfield, but the play calling is not my favorite through the first three games of the season. We'll see what changes tonight or this afternoon, really, a noon start tonight in the Carrier Dome, um, or maybe just the Dome, who knows right, at this yeah. point, uh, <laughs> uh, against Western Michigan. But something's got to change on along that offensive line. Otherwise, this is going to 
continue to be a problem. DeVito's continue is going to continue to play like a nervous wreck, and things are going to get get out of hand pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you're not winning on the offensive and defensive lines, you're not going to win a whole lot of football games. But if you're Dino Babers and this offensive coaching staff, you got to recognize, okay, our offensive line is the weakest link on this team. What do we do to, you know, take the pressure off of them? And Dino Babers, you might have to change the offense and the offensive play calling. Like you said, you cannot just throw the ball 40 yards down the field every play because your quarterback doesn't have time to do that. Your quarterback's sitting there in the pocket way too long because whether or not it's his fault or not, he doesn't have the time. So you have to let Tristan Jackson, your receivers, Nikeem Johnson, Sean Riley, Taj Harris, get separation off the line of scrimmage and go make plays. Maybe slants, maybe digs, just short routes that move the chains. That's what they need. They don't have the time to run go routes. And like you said, you got to get your guys like Abdul Adams, Mo Neal, guys who have shown, yeah, these are pass catching backs. Put them on the line of scrimmage. Let them go make plays against linebackers, and you may have success that way. I know the initial thought process when Tommy DeVito, you know, when he rose to the helm, we all knew he was going to be the starter. I don't want to say when he was named the starter. He was the starter all along. But the initial thought process was, wow, we can pass the ball downfield more than we did with Eric Dungy. Maybe it's time to go back a little bit to what worked for you last year. Yes, it's not going to be the same because Tommy is not nearly as mobile uh, as Dungy was a year ago. But... Get him some rhythm timing throws. I remember in the Maryland game, I was there, and there were two throws on their first touchdown drive. So two throws to uh, Sean Riley right over the middle. Got you like six, seven yards a pop. Two in a row. Got Tommy into a rhythm for the drive. Gave him some confidence. And then he went down, made a beautiful throw to Tristan Jackson who makes a circus catch, and then throws a TD to Tristan uh, later in the drive. Get this kid in rhythm. Get him some confidence because – Right now, he looks like a scared puppy in the pocket. He looks like the big bad Rottweiler's coming for him, and he's a little poodle. And I'm not saying that's all on Tommy. I'm not saying that's all on the offensive line. It's nerve-wracking when you've got behemoth human beings running full speed at you, trying to nail you. I'm not saying it's bad on Tommy for being nervous and trying to escape. I'm saying put the kid in spaces, in opportunities, and in potential spots to be successful. Give him the tools to be successful. That's not just on the offensive line, though. Wide receivers, you got to catch the football. That's literally your job. First drive of the game, Tosh Harris drops a wide, wide open mini post route over the middle. Would have given them a first down. Would have moved the chains. Maybe a little bit of momentum there. Even though the play got called back, deep ball to Tristan Jackson in the end zone. Yes, there was an illegal shift, and there was another penalty on the play. Would have come back either way but drops what would have been a touchdown. Even if Tristan catches that football, Tommy sees, oh my goodness, I just threw a quote-unquote 60-yard touchdown. This makes me happy. This makes me confident. you got to step up, and you got to score in the red zone. I mean, please score in the red zone. Twice the defense sets you up perfectly. Once on the Chris Frederick interception, he brings it down to the six. Once on the Trill Williams interception, he brings it down to the three. And you don't score a touchdown? On the three. Unacceptable. You've got four downs. You have got to put the football in the end zone. Change up the play calling. Do something. Get better push up front. I don't care if it's Clemson. You are within, you are. You have a goal to go opportunity with first down on your first play of the drive. 
Put the ball in the end zone, please. I mean, that is not good. That has to be better, and that has to be a way to get Tommy DeVito some confidence, to get this offense some confidence, to get everybody some confidence and some momentum pushed to their side. Yeah, you you summed it up pretty well. When you're at the three-yard line, like you said, I don't care if it's Alabama, I don't care if it's Clemson, I don't care if it's anyone. You have to score. and I'm At not least one of those goals. two opportunities. At the bare minimum. I mean, both of them, you're within the 10-yard line. You have to score. It's it's completely unacceptable, and especially for a team who, in Dino Babers, who is the offensive-minded coach. He's one of the best offensive minds in college football. You got to score. There's no excuse to that. Tommy DeVito, I don't put in Chris Elmore. Why is he not in the game running the ball? He's 300 pounds. Like, at least give it a shot. You got four downs from the three. I mean, you know, Clemson's huge, but so is that guy. You know, so you've got you've got guys. Um, I mean, I'm not here saying that Clemson that Syracuse has the talent that Clemson does. They obviously don't. Clemson is recruiting with the best of the best every single year. But the three yard line, the six yard line, put the ball in the end zone. You've got to punch it in. You've got to punch it in. That's not to mention uh, the drive when Mo Neal broke off that 50 plus yard screenplay. Sets him up inside the red zone, and they only get a field goal out of it. They only get an Andre Schmidt boot. you got to be better offensively. That's the fact of the matter. You can't be putting up six points. I, I understand it's Clemson. Uh, you can't be putting up six points. You can't be putting up 24 points. You can't be putting up, uh, you know, however, what was it, 20, 20 against 20. 21 uh, against against Maryland. you you got to put up more points than that. In today's college football, unless you're playing in the Big Ten and you've got a ridiculous defense, you got to put up more points. That's the fact of the matter. ACC football is going to get – you're going to have to score, I'd say, 30-plus to win a football game in the ACC on most given days, depending on opponent. But most opponents, doesn't matter if it's Louisville, doesn't matter who it is, got to score points. Offense needs to be better today against Western Michigan. Defense, not without fault in that game, though. Not without fault, certainly in the Maryland game. They looked atrocious against Maryland. But is the defense actually the strength of this football team? We'll answer that question more coming up on the other side. This is Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the score, 1260, getting you ready for the Western Michigan game later today. 12 noon start inside the Dome. J.D. Rocci alongside Thomas Schultz still breaking down here. The Clemson game and what needs to improve going into this matchup against a pretty good Broncos team. We'll get to them in the next segment uh, later later this afternoon against Tim Lester. Of course, he's got the Syracuse connections and all that kind of fun stuff. We'll get into what the Broncos are, what they bring to the table in just a little bit. But first, we talked about the offense. We promised we'd talk about the defense. Listen, they've given up over 100 points in the last two weeks. They gave up 63 against Maryland and then another 41. So what? Quick math, that's 104 points in two matchups. That is 52 points a game after that game against Liberty when they shut them out. Not great, I will say that. Not the best, but I think not as bad as some people are saying and what that number at least would indicate, especially after last week's performance. Yeah, the Maryland game... Really, the Maryland scored a couple of garbage time touchdowns after the, after I mean the third the, quarter. It was garbage they got time. boat raced. Right, yeah. They got boat raced. I mean, they got dominated in every facet yeah. against Maryland. It was not close and in it, terms of how they played defensively. There, there, there's the drives where they just they just looked done. They, they didn't even look like they were trying anymore. I know Maryland's running back Jake Funk, who is 
not listed on the running back depth chart. He's actually their second fullback. Went three plays, 92 yards to the end zone. By himself. By himself. And they just ran the same play. And at that point, it's like, all right, you know, they're not they're not trying, it seems like. That's a problem. But then Clemson, you set up your offense for a couple of scores. Like you said, J.D., in the earlier segment, your defense picks off Trevor Lawrence twice. Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one in the NFL draft in a couple of years. That's good. It, it, I mean, obviously, there's problems. They got pushed around on the line. But they did a couple of things to set up their guys. I mean, Lakeem Williams and Chris Frederick got a couple of interceptions that they take into the 10-yard line. But there's there's still a lot of improvement that's to be made. One guy who really needs to improve his play, one of the best players from last year is Alden Robinson. Alden Robinson right now has half of a sack on the season. He's on pace for two sacks this year. Last year, Not going to be good enough. Two sacks. This is a guy who, you know, he was thinking NFL after this year. And two sacks? He's, he's the dynamic duo with Kendall Coleman, and he's laying an egg this season. He's got one and a half tackles for a loss. He, his only stat in the Clemson game was a pass breakup. That's it. It's just absolutely deflating, especially when one of your best players, the guy who kind of makes your defensive line go, is just laying eggs week after week. That's a big problem. That really needs to improve. He needs to have a big game because he didn't do it against Clemson. He didn't even do it against Liberty. He really needs to show out and finally have his breakthrough performance and really get his season going. Well, he's also supposed to be like the swagger of that defense. Yeah, the secondary, that's kind of where you look to for the swagger. But in terms of the front seven, he's kind of your guy in terms of who's going to bring the energy. Kendall Coleman brings the energy, brings the punishment in-game. But he's, you can tell. I mean, you look at the La Familia, you see how he is in press conferences, etc. He's just kind of a more gentler soul, a guy that's kind of laid back. That's kind of his approach. He'll get in your face. He knows when he needs to amp it up, but he's a little bit hes a little bit more calm, cool, collected. Alton Robinson is supposed to be that energy guy, that guy kind of like a, a Joey Bosa. I'm not comparing their pass rushing ability because Joey Bosa he's is incredible. one of the best young edge rushers uh, in the NFL right now, but that's a guy that's intense. He is going to bring it every single play, and he's going to get you hyped out of your mind. He's going to fire you up. That's what you also want to see from Alton Robinson. But I will say, as much as Alton Robinson needs to step up, and I completely agree with you, the defensive line, even though it looked like they got tossed around, not really that bad last week. They only gave up, if you take out a 57-yard garbage-time touchdown run from Chaz Malusi, they only gave up about 170 yards rushing to a team that has Travis Etienne in the backfield. Travis Etienne absolutely torched Syracuse the last two years. Was it perfect? No. Was giving up the 57-yard touchdown upsetting to watch? Yes. You don't want to see that. But containing him, yeah, he got five yards of carry, but his long was only 15. You didn't let him be a home run hitter, which you have in past years. He had that long, long touchdown in the Dome a couple of years ago in the upset win for Syracuse. You didn't let him be a home run hitter. You didn't let him take over the game out of the backfield in terms of receiving three catches for 32 yards. So there are positives to take away. But then you look, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, you got the two interceptions, 395 yards. Yeah, That's, that's concerning. That's a problem. And uh, the thing about Travis Etienne, yeah, he didn't take it over. But he didn't really need to. They put 41 on Syracuse. He had 14 carries. Clemson as a team had 29. So he had less than half the carries. They just started tossing in other guys' backups, letting them get some playing time. But I need to see more Allen Robinson drip. He's the guy. You know, I, I need more... Swagger, more confidence, like you were saying. 
And this the linebacker core has got to play better too. Andrew Armstrong has to step it up, really start plugging those holes. Clemson as a team at 226 rushing yards. And, of course, like you mentioned, Trevor Lawrence threw all over the place, almost 400 yards. That's secondary. There's some good players back there. You got Chris Frederick. You got, of course, Andre Sisco. They, they need to play better. They need to do more against a Western Michigan team who, you know, it's Western Michigan, so people kind of maybe take them, you know, not as good as they, as they actually are. This is a good team that's coming to the Dome today. I think that with the secondary, we've kind of fallen in love with the playmaking ability of these guys. Of course, Andre Sisco, he's already got, what, two interceptions this season. You know, the, yeah. these things are good. They are great. He's got nine interceptions, however many, in his career at this point as a true sophomore. But you, when you fall in love with the playmaking ability of a guy like Sisko, a guy like Trill Williams, then you forget the secondary and playing the defense's secondary is much, much more than just picking off passes. It's much, much more than making the play. It's wrapping up. The Amari Rodgers touchdown down the sideline that Syracuse fans lost their minds about. He, it was it was too close to call it back. And I, I mean, I was there. I was watching the monitor. They lost their minds. Thought he was out of bounds. I don't even want to talk about that. What I do want to talk about is that was on third down. You're still kind of in the game at that point. It's not completely out of hand quite yet. And Rodgers gets the screen pass from Trevor Lawrence, three yards behind the line of scrimmage, about five yards away from the first down marker, Antoine Cordy has his hands on him. You have got to wrap up. You have got to take him down. Cordy lets him go. He slips by Evan Foster, and he goes 87 yards down the right sideline and scores another touchdown for Clemson. Those are the little things. It's Andre Sisco in the Maryland game biting on an outside route when he's got somebody coming over the top and they throw a deep post into the end zone wide open into the back corner of the end zone and Cisco that was a terrible play. Cisco has needs to needs to be better tackling. The playmaking ability is there. I mean, they've got an interception at least one in every single game this year. They've got that ridiculous uh turnover streak in terms of they're one of the what four teams in the country that yeah. have forced 16 or have forced a turnover in 16 17 consecutive games uh whatever it's at right now. But it's the little things that need to improve. It's the open field tackling. It's the not letting a guy like T. Higgins just take you over because he's bigger and he's going to body you. You're going to go up against other six foot five receivers this season. Sage Surratt at Wake Forest is having a monster beginning to his year. You are going to go up against quality, bigger receivers. You've got to figure out how to play them and not just be okay with, hey, I made a pick today. I had a good game. Yeah. That's not the way it goes. You've got to do the other little things to make you successful as well. And the thing is, when you're watching a game, the best quarterbacks are the guys you never hear of because they're not getting targeted. They're always covering the receiver. They're not getting picked on. Those are the guys that you just may forget about during the game. And we're not seeing enough of that for Syracuse this year. We need Guys just aren't covering as well. I mean, obviously T. Higgins, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. That's why he goes to Clemson. He's also an NFL wide receiver. Yeah, he's, I he mean, made he and Justin Ross pitches. are unreal that one play when Trevor Lawrence rolled out to his right through behind through him. on the run T Higgins went up and just mossed Anton Antoine Cordy and I mean there's nothing Cordy could do about it because you know Cordy's 5'8 and T Higgins is 6'5 and yeah Trevor Lawrence threw a perfect ball considering the situation he was in but then Kingsley Jonathan goes and tacks on an extra however many yards uh with the roughing the passer penalty those are the little things yeah you couldn't have made necessarily the first play but don't add to it. Don't make yeah. it worse on yourself. 
do the little things right, and you will start seeing yourselves kind of be better defensively. There's potential here for a great defense. We saw it last year. We saw it with Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman both going with double-digit sacks and Kendall Coleman being one of the biggest snubs in all-conference team history. I mean, the fact that he didn't even get an honorable mention with 10 sacks is ridiculous. But we know the potential is there. We understand that the secondary is talented. I will say, though, one thing to watch for, if Melifonu didn't play most of that latter part of the game against Clemson, got a little bit banged up, Antoine Cordy had to come in for him. Dino said at his press conference on Monday, we're not sure exactly where if he is right now, we're not sure exactly where he's going to be, but when you're going up against physical specimen wide receivers, you'd rather have the 6'3 kid with leaping ability than the 5'8 guy with brute strength and a heart of gold and super amounts of passion. Love Antoine Cordy. Love what he's done for this football program. Love that he's still here six years later, still working his tail off day in, day out, and doing all the things that Dino Babers needs him to do. But quite frankly, I'd rather have Ify Melifon win the game if I'm Syracuse. He's 6'3", he's younger, he's probably a little bit more talented. Those are the things you need from Syracuse if you want to be successful. And Western Michigan's got to give them a dogfight. Yeah, as a guy who's vertically challenged myself, I'm still taking the taller player every single time. Ify Milifon Wu is he's he's special. He's gonna be really good this year. And yeah, like you mentioned, JD, Western Michigan, they're they they put points on Syracuse last year. I think they scored what, forty one against forty two. Forty two. So expect them to come in, guns a blazing, they're gonna be firing away down the field. A guy that I wanna see step up is Josh Black. He had a really, really good opener against Liberty. He was Liberty. a monster he was against amazing. Liberty. And I thought, I wrote an article at the time. I said, you know, is this guy, along with Ify Melifon, who breakout candidates for the Syracuse defense? And ever since that game, we haven't seen a whole lot from Josh Black. He had four tackles against Maryland, but your defense, you're going to have a lot of tackles when Maryland runs as many plays as they do against you. And besides that, he didn't pressure the quarterback, didn't have any tackles for loss in that game or against Clemson. So I want to see more of him pressuring the quarterback, getting into the backfield. And if you're opening up pressure from your interior defensive lineman, okay, quarterback goes out of the pocket, gets Kendall, Kendall Coleman on Robinson going. It, well, that was the beauty of Chris Slayton last year. That's why he was so important. And Dino said this is an NFL football player. because and, – and Alton and Kendall have both said that, you know, Chris was super important to their success last year. If you're drawing a double from the center and the guard – and then you've only got you got a couple linebackers coming as well. You got another defensive tackle. I'd also can't wait for McKinley Williams to get back because I think as well as the interior defensive linemen have played at times this year, McKinley Williams is on another level. But when you've got a guy getting doubled on the interior, that frees up at least one on one, at least one one on one, I should say, for either Alton Robinson or Kendall Coleman, two of the best pass rushers in the ACC, and it takes some pressure off you. I think the bigger thing with this this defense right now is the potential is there. We saw the negative four rushing yards against Liberty. We saw the shutout against Liberty. We saw the two interceptions in this game against one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country, in Trevor Lawrence. The tools are there. The, the talent is there. This defense can be really, really good. Now it's a matter of merging that talent and that potential with the little things that are going to make you a really successful football team and a successful side of the football that then allows you to take some pressure off your offense. Yeah, the offense needs to take pressure off the defense, 
The defense also needs to take pressure off the offense. They need to be living in harmony and kind of having that successfulness together for this football team to be really, really successful. Western Michigan's a good team. They're 2-1 and one on the season. Their only losses to a top-20 team in Michigan State. We'll preview the Broncos. We'll talk about head coach Tim Lester and his Syracuse ties when we come back on Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. Oh, baby, it's time for some action for Syracuse football. Taking on Western Michigan later today. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz here to break everything down for you right here on Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. We have you up to the top of the hour at 10 o'clock. Big matchup for Syracuse. We talked about what they need to do, at least individually, for themselves to beat Western Michigan and bounce back from the two straight losses to Maryland and Clemson. This is also a big matchup, though, because this is a good Western Michigan team. They come in at 2-1 and one on the season. Yes, their wins are against two of maybe the worst possible opponents in Monmouth. Georgia State. And Georgia State. Yeah, they beat Tennessee. <laughs> I don't know if that's saying anything. It's not. It's, it's not. not saying much. It really, really isn't. Because I know you love Tennessee. I know you grew up a Tennessee fan. It hurts, man. But uh, they're not very good. They won last week, though. That's good. I mean, it's Chattanooga. I mean, they won. Hey, we got Florida. Big week, big week. Huge <laughs> week. I mean, no Felipe Franks. Maybe it's a possibility. Yeah, Florida quarterbacks always – backup Florida quarterbacks always crush Tennessee every year. It's a tradition. That's that's <laughs> tough to hear if you're a Tennessee fan. But going back to this Western Michigan game, this is a team that put up, what, 42 points against Syracuse last year in the season opener in Kalamazoo. Gave them a fight. Dino kind of called it a tale that you have. Syracuse went out in front pretty early. Uh, Western Michigan fought back, had some big plays of their own. And then Syracuse kind of put things away toward the end of the game. But they returned pretty much everything uh, from last year. They've got John Wassink at quarterback. They've got a couple of other weapons. And, uh, you know, the offense is good. I think the defense will be the problem for Western Michigan. But Wassink played a good game last year. One guy you got to watch for. He's a wide receiver DB combo. It's like we're playing, we're playing high school football right now when he plays both sides of the football. Very rarely do you see that in a non-trick play capacity at the college football level. But Dwayne Eskridge, number two receiver last year for Western Michigan, not having the best of years this year in terms of what he's doing offensively. He's played a little bit more defense this year, but dude is a blazer. Clocked on a 4-3-3, 40-yard dash. Incredible. That's crazy. That's NFL-type speed. Syracuse has had problem with op- uh, problems with open field tackling, like we said. That's a that's an open field tackle problem if I've ever seen one. Yeah, and John Wasink is just really good at he, he's a great quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the MAC. He was really good last year, but he's really good and he does what great quarterbacks do. He throws it around to all his receivers. He's thrown it to fourteen different guys this year. That's that's impressive. And he's doing it at a really efficient rate. He's completing almost seventy one percent of his passes this year. Seventy one percent? That's I don't care what defenses you're playing. And to be fair, they just played or they played in week two against a really good Michigan State defense, and he's still doing that. So that's impressive. He's efficient, he's accurate, and that spells trouble for Syracuse's secondary. We mentioned earlier, they've got to play better. All of them, even Andre Sisco. Andre Sisco, he's got the picks, but he has not started this year well besides that. Wasink, he can just knife into this defense if he wants to, and he probably will. I, I The pass rush has to get to him. Because if you don't get to him in time, he's just going to find the open receiver. His receivers separate, and he nails them every single time. That's why his completion percentage is so high. I mean, that's a big problem for the Syracuse defense. But the offense, you got to capitalize against a porous defense that you're playing this year. 
And across the board for Western Michigan, again, they've played Monmouth, Georgia State, and Michigan State. So Michigan State good. The other, not too, the other two not so much. Syracuse has definitely played the tougher schedule so far this season and, and definitely will considering you know Syracuse plays in the ACC and, uh, and Western Michigan plays in the MAC. But across the board, Wasink, better numbers than Tommy DeVito. Starting running back, Levante Bellamy, better numbers than Mo Neal. He's got 289 yards and four TDs. Mo only has a touchdown this season. Six yards really, per carry. Yeah, really hasn't uh, you know put everything together like we thought he would in his senior year. And then receiving yards. Uh, you look at their top receiver in Bussell, and Deshaun Bussell, he's a redshirt freshman, so playing his first full year of college football, and he's out-dueling what Tristan Jackson has done this season. So the offense is really, really good for Western Michigan. The defense is not very good. They've only given up about 24 points a game, and that's great. That's because he gave up 10 to Georgia State and 13 to Monmouth. They gave up 51 to Brian Lewerke in Michigan State, who a lot of people think have one of the worst Power 5 offenses in the country. I mean, that team is built around defense. I only I think they only scored a touchdown last week in a 10-7 loss to Arizona State at their place in Lansing, or in East Lansing they more accurately. Win, yeah. But, I mean, that defense, I, I great, you gave up 13-10 and 10 to Monmouth. You gave up 51 to one of the worst Power 5 offenses in all of college football? That's not good. Dino Babers and Tommy DeVito have got to be licking their lips for this matchup. This is a great breakout opportunity to really set yourself up for success going into ACC play and for the rest of the season. Tommy DeVito has to find his open receivers. they got to get open for starts. They've got to catch the football. They've got to catch the football. We've got to see Taj Harris, Tristan Jackson do what you're supposed to do. Your running backs, go break off big runs. O'Neal, we haven't seen that enough this year. Abdul Adams, haven't seen it. We need to see it in this game. And what we really need to see is a good offensive line. We need a clean pocket today. We need holes for the running back. If there's a defense to do it against, it's this one. I think this this game is a litmus test for Syracuse. If they play well, you say, okay, they're getting back into the groove. If they play poorly against this defense and continue to struggle offensively, then it's time to really start being concerned if you're Syracuse football fans. Just how concerned are you? We'll have your voices heard in Fizz, Fizz Feedback. Excuse me. That's coming up on the other side. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. All right, Thomas, we're back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Before we get into hashtag Fizz Feedback, everybody's favorite segment of the show, want to do some predictions. Who you got? What's the final score? Who do you think's the player of the game for whoever squad wins? I think Syracuse pulls this one out. I think they have a nice victory. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, though. I'm going to go with 42-35, and it's easy to go Tommy DeVito. I'm going to say Tristan Jackson. Great game. I say he gets over 150 yards receiving. Wow. Bold predictions. I'm going to go with also a relatively high-scoring game. I think the margin of victory for Syracuse is a little bit more. They're five-point favorites right now. Uh, let's see, they put up 55 last year in Kalamazoo, which was with a better offense than they have now. I'll go, let's say, 45-28. I'd like to see it. So about a little bit less than a three-touchdown win, a three-score win. Um, You kind of handle the Western Michigan offense as much as you need to, uh, but you still walk away with a win. My game MVP is going to be, you know what? I'm going to speak it into existence. I'm going to go with Alton Robinson. That's a big game. Breakout game. I hope so. What we're looking for. 
from Allison Robinson. But let's get into the Fizz feedback. Put out a couple of polls earlier in the week, trying to see what you guys think about this Syracuse football team. One that we didn't put out, but that I didn't personally put out, though, at least for the show specifically, it's called not hashtag Fizz feedback, but a poll nonetheless. With the SU game airing on ACC Network this weekend, first game of Syracuse football that will air on ACC Network, Huge news, obviously, fantastic opportunity uh, for Syracuse and for the ACC. Are anyone Saturday's plans affected? No, my provider has it. Yes, this stinks. And luckily for Syracuse fans, 76% saying, no, my provider has it. That would really stink. I know, I think Xfinity right now uh, still doesn't have it. There's a couple of other cable companies um, around the area that, that don't have it right now, but Put the calls in because you got to, I mean, it's worth it in every single possible way, just if you're able to watch uh, this football game. But hashtag Fizz Feedback, Syracuse is a five-point favorite on Saturday against Western Michigan. Do you think they have it in them to cover? Yes, big bounce back win. Nope, another loss. Nope, a win but close. Five is exactly right. And running away with it, 68% of the vote, yes, big bounce back win. Quite frankly, in a home game, Five points to a team that's 2-1 and one and only beat Monmouth and Georgia State? That's insulting. If that's not a message to Syracuse to wake up and get ready for this game, I don't know what is. Yeah, like we mentioned, Western Michigan's a good team, but this is the game to break out fan support. I expect it to be pretty good today. Uh, you know, It's not Clemson. Obviously, they got crushed there, but I think this is going to be a really fun game. And like I mentioned, seven point it was my prediction for Syracuse's win. I think they do that at least. At the very least. I mean, you you got to you gotta try, try to wipe the floor as much as possible. Get your confidence back up into a point where you can carry it into the weeks to come. What position group or player needs the biggest improvement this weekend? Tommy DeVito, the offensive line, the wide receivers, the defense. Another runaway. 60% of the votes saying the offensive line. Second place goes to Tommy Football himself at 33%. I think this is the right call. I'm actually surprised because I was at the Clemson game for Fizz. I was, uh, you know, leading our coverage uh, from the Dome, and people were all over Tommy DeVito, like, bench him, get him out of the game, need a new quarterback. Talked about how Christian Veyu, one of the top uh, quarterback prospects that Syracuse is pursuing in the class of 2020, was in attendance, and people were saying, can he come in and play quarterback, like obviously being snarky. Right. I thought a lot more people would vote for Tommy DeVito. Uh, I'm kind of glad that they realized that the offensive line is a big part of the reason that DeVito struggled in the first place. And I'm glad some of the pressure is being taken off the defense. Only 5% of voters said the defense was needs to improve the most. This offensive line, they really need to improve. Tommy DeVito does too. So do the receivers. We went over it earlier. Everybody's got to improve, but the offensive line, that's the problem. They need a big game today. Next question, how hard are you slamming the panic button after last week's performance against Clemson? First option, relaxed. I'm not worried about it. It was just Clemson there, the number one team in the country. Option two, eh, I'm a bit nervous. Uh, Option three, destroy Western Michigan, feel better. And option four, all-out panic. Ah, slam it, four exclamation points. Actually, I think I got five exclamation points in there. there. Uh, And 41% of the vote with, eh, I'm a bit nervous. Don't blame them. It's a little bit nerve-wracking to see your team get beat so badly in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, I I, I got to agree with this one, honestly. I, I'm between, eh, I'm a bit nervous and destroyed WMU, and I'll feel a little bit better. But I, I got to see what they do today. If they play well today, all right, I'm, I'm a little bit more confident. If they don't play well, you could beat them and not play well. If this offensive line struggles against this team, if DeVito struggles, if we see problems on the defense, 
I'm, I'm still nervous heading into ACC play. You've got ACC's down this year, but maybe Syracuse is a little bit down with them. This is a big matchup today, and the last question has to do with how many Western Michigan points, West, how many points Western Michigan will score. Broncos score less than 10. Broncos score less than 20. Broncos score more than 27, so four touchdowns, another 40-burger against Syracuse. The winner, Broncos score less than 20. I got them at over four touchdowns. I think they will hit that mark. And that'll do it for us here on Fizz Radio. For Thomas Schultz, I'm J.D. Rachi saying so long. Be locked into at Orange Fizz throughout the day for all of your Syracuse football coverage.